Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 11 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and as you can see, I am in a different locale this morning having major technical issues with my computer and with Zoom, so please pardon the kind of wonky audio and video this week, but I am super excited to have Eric Cortland of RKT3 on the podcast this week. Eric is in partnership with Ryan. Ryan Redondo and Kong Tian, who are all three working together to bridge the gap between tennis facilities, tennis coaches, and tennis parents, and help grow the game through education and through funding and through opportunities. So I'm super excited to have Eric on to explain what RKT3 is doing, what their mission is, and how they are working with not only just facilities, as I said, but also with individual families who have kids with lofty goals in tennis, like all of you, and helping to grow the game through their efforts of raising money, setting up foundations, and gaining access to facilities to build courts, to work in tandem with other racket sports, and to just really do an amazing job of touching all the different aspects of tennis and bringing them all together under one umbrella that is RKT3. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Eric Cortland. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Eric, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to hear about what you guys are up to at RKT3. It is a new organization that you're going to explain to us in a few minutes. But before we jump into that, can you please share with the parenting audience your background, how you got started in tennis? Uh well, uh, I was a junior player as well. Um, I grew up in actually a small little town uh, in Reno, Nevada that uh, happened to be part of NorCal. So uh, we actually had to travel always to NorCal tournaments. Um, my father brought me up, uh, got me going, and um, I kind of came up through the whole junior system. I played college tennis and, and I played a little bit of pro. Um, I stepped away right after I was playing and, and I got into business into the entertainment industry. Um, but then I really found that I... I really missed tennis and and I had a few very good mentors that got me back into it. And so I actually got back into coaching, uh, in the process of doing that through my coaching, 
uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked to become a national coach. And so I spent eight years um, being a national coach for tennis. Um, and then about a year ago, I resigned and I went actually to the manufacturing side. So I was um, I was do- doing sports marketing and also player development for Lacoste Technifiber. Uh, and I, I still actually do that for them as well, along with doing RKT3. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to be a national coach? What is the role of a national coach with USDA? Just so our audience kind of gets a, a deeper dive into that. Sure. And, you know, when, when I first got hired, um, it might have been a little bit uh, of a different role. Um, Patrick McEnroe was was my boss at that time, and he's, he had revamped um, player development and started. I was actually hired to um, to go to our center in New York. And I ran a program there called the Feeder Program, and it was the first program that was in conjunction with community tennis, uh, com- community tennis based out of New York. And what we did is we did affordable programming for young kids, nine to thirteen, um, and we worked with the community, did coaching education, brought these kids into into the program, and tried to actually spread the game and give them something affordable to do. It, it had mental skills, uh, strength and conditioning, and a tennis component, um, and it was you were guaranteed to only be three kids on a court. Um, and then you would go three times a week and, and it was a really cool program. I and mean, we had, a, we had a bunch of really good players that came out of it that actually started from when they were very young, going all the way through with, uh, Luisa Trico and Lee that came out of that program as well. Um, and then actually had, well, I think probably almost all of them, uh, at this point now have gotten D one scholarships and, and are playing college tennis. So it was a pretty cool program. Now it's, um, Martin Blackman is now in charge and, um, it's, it's become more of a supplemental role. So the idea is to really help the the private uh, industry and help the private coaches. They do a lot of coaching education. They do a lot of camps. Um, they work with the section and the PD managers uh, to be able to um, offer, I'd say like more opportunities for kids, um, training opportunities, get the best kids together to be able to play. And then as it progresses, um, uh, as the kids get older, then there's opportunities to maybe go to the the main training center in Orlando and, and do national camps there and, and uh, practice with the best kids and then potentially help the private coaches supplement uh, potential travel with the kids because that's where it can get really expensive and also very difficult for, for the private coaches, for some of them who make their living, you know, by the hour and, and working on court and who can't take off and travel with them. So that's, that's kind of the, the role of it. They, they there is a point where it kind of gets a little bit older. If they're a transitional pro, then they could potentially um, help them a little bit more and, and travel with some of those pros. I mean, you've seen that at centers in Carson, like guys with Taylor Fritz and um, some of the young ones like Claire Lou came through that program in Carson as well. Right. Right. That's awesome. You know, we've heard a lot. I mean, this has been the same conversation has been going on since I started parenting over 12 years ago. But about the the expense of tennis and the expense of developing a junior player, and there are all sorts of issues that continually come up in conversation as I'm monitoring our social, you know, the same concerns come flow through the conversation. What do you see as one of the biggest or some of the biggest challenges for junior tennis and junior tennis development in order to continue to grow the game and help these players reach their potential? Yeah, I mean, just accessibility in general. I mean, it's such an expensive sport to play. Um, it's funny, I was helping um, some parents at, at uh, we just had a regional camp. I'm still a faculty staff for USTA and we do some camps. And we were talking to the parents and it's like, 
the cost of them having to go play a national tournament is unbelievable. You, you play one tournament and a national tournament and, and, a, and a family could spend $5,000 or plus just for one week where they got to go travel and play this tournament. And it's funny because, you know, you could go play an ITF if you're old enough and you could play three or four tournaments in a row in another country for maybe the same price or less, depending on your level, you know, they may pay for housing or whatever. And so, you know, for kids to get into the sport and be able to do it, it's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, I, I can't believe how expensive it is to, to actually be able to do this. Um, and then, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier, you're looking at now too, where are you going to play? Right. So you have country clubs, you now have to belong to a country club. Do you have to now take lessons? Um, how much is it going to be for, for a coach to be able to do that? So you're kind of seeing that I think the model changed just a little bit in general, where you're looking at parks and rec, right? Are there parks and rec programs? Um, are, are there going to be more courts there? You're looking at some of the sections where they're actually building out these, these amazing centers, um, how they're going to go about with the programming and funding. Hopefully that's, that's something that RKT3 can help them with to kind of show, Hey, can, is there a foundation portion of this? Um, is there a way to raise money to be able to subsidize the coaching so that we can help some of these kids? Um, you're looking at potentially the Kimmelman center that, that could be built in, in LA. You're looking at the Texas section, um, new England, they're building these centers based around, um, potentially the actual section, raising the money to be able to do that or private donations. And maybe that's the way that's going to go. Because I think as you see in California, a lot of these clubs are, you know, are getting torn down because they need real estate space. So it's, you know, what's the avenue that they're going to do that they're going to go to be able to actually have tennis. During COVID, we were all kind of in a limbo as to try to figure out what to do. I was still working for the USTA as a national coach. Um, Kong has a son that plays, so yeah. he's a parent, but he happens to be a, an attorney as well, and, and he's been on this long journey. And then uh, Ryan actually got the position at Barnes and, and has been doing some some amazing things down there, uh, yeah. not only from a foundation standpoint, but uh, also just a GM and trying to get that place running again. And um, in the process of doing that, we all kind of came together. We're like, well... Kong has a kid and he gets it. He's seen the system. He's trying to navigate it. Um, myself being a former national coach, but, but also being in the business world. And then now currently also consulting for a manufacturer, I was bringing kind of a different take on things as far as from, from a programming standpoint, but also trying to see where it comes from a federation standpoint um, with yeah. the coach education that I did. And then Ryan and his, his work with foundation stuff and, and being able to run a foundation and how does that uh, actually coordinate with running a regular center and, and also yeah. just being a GM of coaches. And so, you know, we came together and we're like, well, this would be a great opportunity, not only to, to help clubs, um, but also from Ryan's college background, can we help with fundraising for colleges and, and, but also talk to parents and kids about, um, Hey, what's the process of how we go through this? We're like, well, there's three of us here together. Let's get together and actually form something and do something not only from an education standpoint, but let's see if we can also help with this, you know, with everything that's evolving in, as far as with the tennis world, because it's really changing. Um, you know, obviously, you know, in California, you're not looking at the at the typical country club model anymore because a lot of these clubs are actually going away. Um, they'd rather have real estate space to have it. And so you're looking at different centers. I mean, if you look in Irvine, you have government land that was Great Park, right? And they're forming these centers there. Um, you're looking at a lot of public parks where there's a lot of concessions. So our pros coming in and are they doing more of a concession model? Are they doing RFPs to try to get these? You, we're probably seeing that that's going to be maybe more the future as opposed to people going out and, and um, you, you having new country clubs or, or tennis clubs. You're, you're probably going to see it come back more to the local level or to parks and rec 
Um, and how do we help actually some of these pros put together a business and actually run it and, and do RFPs? Or how do they set up um, foundations to, to do that side of it as well? Because the other issue you're seeing is um, how do we grow this game again? Right. And, and can tennis be affordable for everyone to be able to play as opposed to having to go to the country club? So, but at the end of the day, you got to, you got to grow the game and you got to make it affordable for everyone to be able to play. I think that's probably the reason why you're seeing such a huge surgence of, of pickleball, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take up as much space. It's easy to get into. It's easy to learn. Um, it's fun. It maybe doesn't take as long. So, you know, is there more team tennis stuff that you can do? Is there more round robins? I think even UTR is doing a good job with how, you know, you get a, a bunch of um, uh, matches in, in, you know, one or two days and, and be able to play a bunch and, and, and you're guaranteed the matches. So we're probably seeing that's maybe moving more towards that direction and hopefully we can, help kind of navigate that for people. Yeah. You know, one of the the kind of discussions that comes up quite often is the balance of lessons or drills versus actual match play and tournament play. In your opinion, what is the ideal balance there? How much time should kids be spending in private lessons or drill groups versus playing actual matches? Well, that's, I mean... Look, when I played um, and, and I was growing up, I was fortunate enough to get one lesson a week with my coach, you know, one hour. And then it was my responsibility to actually go and, and work on those things outside of that or organize matches. Um, you know, as modern tennis, I mean, you're looking at all these these kids that they have teams put around them. Right. I mean, they have a strength and conditioning coach, mental skills coach. They probably got, you know, five different tennis coaches working on technique and all that. Uh, look, at the end of the day, you, you know, it's up to the, the, the parent and, and the player and, and also the coach to be responsible to say, look, you know, can you do this in, in one hour a week? Can you do this in two hours? But you got to go after that and you got to work on these things. Too many of these kids today, it's, you know, when it's coaching, they're being told over and over what to do and, and they can't think for themselves and they don't have their own purpose to what you're trying to do. And you're not making an individual player. So you know, I always stress, at least when I was a coach, it's like, okay, how do I do the best job that I can to make them self-sustainable? And okay, let's go work on the things on their own. And can we play more matches? I mean, how many times do the kids call each other up and just go out and play on their own? Instead, it's like, I got to set it up for them or the parents are setting it up. It's like, no, go, go play. You right. know, there's a free play anymore. And, and unfortunately, I mean, with everything today, everything is so organized and over-specialized. It's like, can these kids just go out and, and play? That's why it's cool if, you know, you can set up play dates or if the kids can call on their own. For me, it was great because I grew up in a local park system. So it's like everyone just showed up at the park and it's like, hey, you want to play today? And we all got together. And there was a group of us that actually got really good out of this small little town just because we helped each other and we played. Today, I think everything's pretty pretty too much organized for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I grew up the same as you did. You know, it was a club, but it was small town, Louisiana. You know, we, every day after school, everybody rode their bike to the tennis courts. We met up and yeah, I I think I had private lessons maybe twice a month, maybe. And, you know, the rest of the time it was up to me to arrange hits or practice matches or whatever. What's the solution in today's environment for helping kids get more match play? Because as you said, and as you acknowledge, going to tournaments is ungodly expensive or can be. Um, Universal Tennis is doing a great job, you know, setting up these short events where kids get a lot of matches in, but there's still a fee involved and you still all have to show up at the same place. So 
how do we help families navigate this and, you know, get these kids out playing? And also, you know, from the flip side, from the coach's side, I understand coaches have to make a living. And the way they make a living is by teaching and teaching costs money for the consumer. So I'm not looking to take money out of coaches' pockets, but at the same time, try and find that balance between what the family is having to spend versus what the coach can actually earn? No, I mean, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, I, the biggest thing for me, uh, and, and for, you know, let's say Kong or even Ryan, first thing starts with parent education, right? And, and we also have to get all these parents together and we need to help them to say, Hey, it's okay for all the kids to play together, right? A lot of times the kids don't want to play together or the parents don't want them to play. Um, they always feel that it, it, it has to be just with the coach or it has be just in this program, um, you know, and, and there's been a lot of great coaches that that are working together as well to help each other say, hey, you know, I'm doing this lesson here. You have this program here. Can they come play on, on this night? Can, can we help organize that? Um, a lot of these places that, that actually I've been dealing with, like if you look at in the Midwest or kids that are living on the outskirts, um, you know, we're helping educate the parents to, to say, OK, well, look, you work with your coach, you have a performance team. Okay, what are some exercises that the, the parents can do that the coach is trying to get out of it? So we'll actually teach the parents too. Okay, this is certain hand feel, hand feeding things that you can do. These are the drills that you have to do here. Here's the journaling you have to do with the kids. And then that way the coach can also give them something. It's also a way to do things virtually uh, and or through Zoom and to organize them a little bit better. Um, there's also, you know, ways for the coach to be able to, to make money on the side as well, without having to be on the court with them. Can we do it through zoom? Can we set up performance teams? So there's ways for the coach to be able to, to be creative and, and make money on that side of it as well. But then also the, the coaching, uh, the parent education on that side of it is huge too. So, you know, can the coaches actually educate and help the parents? And that's another way for them to be able to, to make money as well. Um, and there's sessions and, and that's something that we've, we've actually put a lot of emphasis into is the, the parent education. How do we help them? Um, and then, you know, how do the teams work together? So you see, we had a big problem in the USTA when we first started is because everyone worked in, in their silos. So you had SNC over here, you had mental over here, and we actually got together and, um, we developed a program so that everyone could communicate together. Well, what are they doing on the SNC side? Okay, so we're making technical changes over here. Okay, this is what you have to do with SNC. Oh, you're making a technical change. Well, we need to check in with the mental coach. And so everyone's working as more of a performance team as opposed to I'm over here in mental, I'm over here in strength and conditioning, I'm over here in tennis. And now we can put it all together. And guess what? The parent has a role too. So what's the role of the parent? Are they coach or are they parent? And how do they facilitate this? So the idea is if we can, just continue to educate everyone and see how we can get creative to make this all work as opposed to everyone kind of doing their own thing. When everything's disorganized, then it makes it harder for everyone as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, parent education is at the core of parenting aces. I mean, that's what, you know, we do, but strictly from my experience as a tennis parent myself, you know, I'm not a coach. I never played in college. I never played on the but I took a kid through the whole junior tennis process through recruiting in college tennis. And it's just, it's a crazy journey. It's a very rewarding journey if you allow it to be, but it can also be an incredibly frustrating journey. And, and I think it's important that 
coaches understand the, the roadblocks that are there for parents and that parents also understand the roadblocks that are for coaches and that we all communicate openly and help each other help our kids achieve their dreams and goals. I 100% agree with you. I, I mean, I, I'd ask you a question. It's like, well, one thing you probably know more just dealing with the whole the, the whole junior circuit and talking with everyone and other parents and being a parent than probably even a lot of the coaches, right? So I yeah. guess, how did you learn? You, you probably talked to other parents, you learned on your own. I mean, this for me, even as a coach too, this is a learning experience with every kid that I have and every parent I'm learning too. And that's, that was, was actually what was so awesome to have Kong come on board because he's actually a parent, right? He's navigating this and he's seeing, he's talking to other parents. You know, he's seen through his own kid. He's seen the challenges of the cost because his son's getting very good now. So it's like, well, how are we going to go to Europe and play these tournaments? You know, is how do we actually speak with the USTA and are we getting any help there as well? What are the grants that are involved? What are wild cards that are involved? Um, and you know, the, the USDA is trying to do a great job of, of educating that, but the fortunate, fortunately enough, I've been through that system as well. My wife's still in that system. Um, Ryan's been through that system. So if there's a way that we can continue to educate people from not only our own perspective, try to give the perspective, possibly the USDA, try to give the perspective of the parent, because, you know, everyone has their side of, you know, what they think, you know, how they should do it or, you know, oh, well, they're doing this or they're doing that or the USDA is doing this or we just try to give everyone, you know, a broad knowledge of, of what's going on and try to think from from everyone else's perspective. Well, and as you know very well, you know, one of the biggest challenges is junior tennis is different for every child. It's not even that it's different for every family because within a family, if you have multiple players, the pathway can be different from one sibling to the next. Recruiting, same thing. It's a very different process. So just because you've gone through it doesn't mean that you've got all the answers for the next person coming behind you. And that's a big challenge for a lot of people out there and for a lot of coaches, right, who may have come up, you know, on, on a pathway that worked well for them, but they're seeing with some of their players that that same pathway isn't maybe the best for that particular player. And so knowing what alternatives are out there, that's why having this open communication is so, so important. Sure. Well, no, and as a coach too, I mean, you know, I personally have to uh, evolve and, and get better and continue to learn. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't have all the answers. And if I don't have something, I want to, I want to find that, you know, and uh, same, same for, you know, we sit down with, with not only businesses, but we, you know, we sit down with, with parents and coaches and what's your goal. You got to identify what everyone's goal and then, okay, then we have to go over everyone's expectations uh, and we have to be all on the same page, right? Because some someone's expectations could be different from someone else on the team. And so we got to make sure that we're all aligned. And then, you know, how are we going to actually have a process to go through that? How are we going to meet, meet our goals? Um, and, and then how do we have checks and balances to those goals? Are we hitting certain spots? How are we holding everyone accountable? So that's kind of the idea, you know, be, behind our company. I mean, we can do a lot of different things um, and we can go different avenues, but at the end of the day, you know, our core business is tennis and, and education. And, and if we can help then then we'd love to be able to do that. So just so I have a clear picture of what RKT3 is about, I mean, you've explained kind of where y'all all come from, but you're working with providers 
but you're also working with families and their coaches to help devise a development a developmental plan or am I missing something? No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we can do it all. I mean, we, we offer coaching and mentoring. Um, obviously, with Ryan being in a CEO position, um, he's in an amazing situation to be able to to mentor other people, um, mentor, you know, current directors of tennis, uh, managers, you know, he can work to also show how to actually manage facilities. Big component on that side is also dealing with foundations, like how do you set up a foundation? How do you raise money? So that's that's a big component of it. I come from more of a coaching background. Um, and so for me, is how do you set up performance teams? How do we put it all together? How do we um, build culture within not only businesses, but okay, well, what's the culture that you want to have if it's an individual or player in that coaching team? Um, and then how do we actually sync all those teams up together? Um, Kong brings a different perspective. Uh, obviously, being an attorney, he can iron out all the, the details, but also he, he brings a perspective just from the parent side of it. Um, and so being able to put that all together, we, we can do a lot of different things. I mean, we can help businesses. We can help with fundraising. We can, um, Ryan's very good at um, dealing with local governments as well and, and seeing, okay, well, where's the money that we can find here? Um, what's, is there subsidizing? Is there help from, from governments? Um, I'm, I actually come from, because of the USDA background, I can help you navigate through the sections. Okay, well, how do you deal with PD managers? Um, how do you, you, do you deal with actually the tournaments you should play, schedules? So there's a lot of different stuff that we can do. We're, um, and then on top of that, everything is changing as well. I mean, you have Padel that's becoming a huge sport. Um, it's not that big in the States now, but globally, that's actually the fastest growing sport, whereas pickleball is the fastest growing sport here. So how do you look at businesses and, and how do you combine that all together? Can you have actually a racket center? Can we have pickleball? Can we have Padel? Can we have tennis? How do we maximize space? Um, and, and, you know, how do we help some of these young entrepreneurs or young coaches get better with coaching education, where are some of the places they can go? Um, there's there's great programs like um, the high performance program through USPTA. Mark Kovacs has a great program that he does through the Kovacs Institute, along with not only coaching education, but how do we not over-specialize these kids? And how do we actually get them doing other things instead of just doing tennis, right? Because with yeah. school today, I mean, most of them don't have PE anymore. So it's, you know, can these kids just skip, jump, you know, do lunges, whatever, you know? So- <laughs> There's a lot of different things that we can do. And, and like you said, a lot of the parents just don't know. They don't know where to go. They don't know the resources. A lot of coaches don't know where to go. I mean, can we educate some young coaches coming up? You know, can we get more females in the sport? Can we get have a little bit more diversity? You know, so there, there's a lot of different avenues that we that we can go. So if somebody is interested in doing business with RKT3, it, let's say I'm a tennis parent and I've got a kid who's got lofty goals. How do I reach out to you and what is RKT3 going to offer to me as an individual parent? I mean, we can, well, first, I mean, they can go on the website and and check it out and and just contact us. Um, A lot of people have my number too. I mean, I'm getting phone calls all the time. I I think it's still on a bunch of the registries, Um, but we can, we can customize and individualize however everyone, we can work with you to figure out what's, what's the bright, what, what is it that you actually really want? Um, you know, I mean, businesses, obviously, I mean, you're looking at much broader, um, uh, setups for it, but you know, 
I still do coaching. I'm, I'm traveling right now. I'm at a tournament. I'm, I'm traveling with a young girl who's, you know, trying to be on the pro path, but she's going to go to college in the fall. So we can customize and do, you know, whatever that, that will actually meet the goals that the, that the either the business or the, the kids or the parents want. And I want to just encourage our listeners that we will have links to RKT3's website on the show notes on parentcases.com or wherever you're consuming this podcast. So um, you'll be able to reach out to them directly through the show. So, yeah. So, Eric, what else do you want the Parenting Aces audience to understand about what you guys and why you're doing? Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, we're a resource, um, you know. There's a lot of great other coaches. There's a lot of great other facilities. If we can help and add and, you know, we can get people thinking, we'd love to be able to do that. Um, we're, we're certainly not in competition with anyone. We want to be able to be there to help. Um, so if there's any way that we can do that and, and help anyone, that's, that's our main goal. Um, we have a lot of things going on and we're helping a lot of different businesses and giving them different perspectives. But at the end of the day, we want to help the tennis community in general. So we figure if if we make it better for, for one person that makes it better for another person. And, and that's how it grows. At the end of the day, I got better, uh, as a coach because I had, I was very fortunate to have very good mentors, uh, and they shared their knowledge with me. So if there's a way that I can also share the knowledge and, and get it out there, um, then everyone gets better. Right. So if, if I get better, someone else gets better and, and so forth. And that's kind of our, our whole philosophy behind that. And, and at the end of the day, we got to help them grow the game of tennis. Um, you know, it's a sport that I love. It's obviously a sport that you love too. And you're trying to help, help parents and educate kids and coaches. And man, we, we need to continue to grow this so that, you know, the courts aren't being taken by something else like real estate or, you know, or, or the kids aren't playing the game anymore. Right. I, I, you mentioned about the growth of other sports and developing rackets since there's a lot of controversy over what's happening pickleball here in the States and pickleball taking over tennis courts. And, and I know several of the facilities that I play league tennis out of, you know, I'll show up and there's way more people out there pickleball than playing tennis. Um, do you see this as a positive for tennis overall, or do you see it as Kind of the way I come at it, which I get really frustrated and angry and feel like, you know, why is tennis allowing this to happen? Yeah, I mean, look, I think everyone has to be creative and seeing how it grows. At the end of the day, I mean, you're seeing the majority of pickleball players are, are typically in, in the baby boomer um, stage. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't see a lot of young kids getting right. in. Yeah. <laughs> Right. But I mean, the, the, that's that's the largest number of people out there right now. I mean, same thing for for tennis. I mean, the largest amount of people that, that go to the U.S. Open are the, the the baby boomers. Right. So how do we get younger kids back into the game? I don't think you're seeing a lot of young kids at this point playing pickleball um, right. that, that could potentially change. Pickleball's done an unbelievable job of marketing and making it easy and and um, and making it fun for people to get into. Um, you're, you're going to see something similar with Padel coming up, um, and also the, the space of it, but I, I think it's actually, it's a good thing. It's going to make tennis coaches and tennis players. Well, we have to evolve as well. How do we get these kids in there? How do we make it fun for them? How do we maybe change the style of the way that we're teaching? How do we get more creative? You can also share space of, of tennis courts and pickleball space, right? So um, it's just, you know, there's times that people aren't going to play tennis as well. So how do we monetize that time, you know, to get other people out there playing? So 
look, at the end of the day, if we're getting people out there and doing it, we can be creative to find other ways to actually grow the game. At the end of the day, we got to grow the game by making it more accessible to people. We got to make it fun and we got to make it accessible to young kids. How do we get them into the game? It can't be too expensive to play. And it also, you know, it's um, it has to be fun for them to want to come back. So uh, there's a company called Swing Vision, which I think is really cool that they're starting because it's actually getting to a point where they can make line calls for people. I, and there's nothing worse than going and seeing that, you know, you go to a tournament and, and the kids coming out, they're crying because they were cheated or, you know, they couldn't keep the score, or, you know, what the lines were. And it's also going to be more cost effective if you have something like that, where you don't have to have tournaments where there's so many line judges that you have to bring in. Obviously, we're going to have to figure out how we don't take away from their jobs as well. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, if we can have a way that these kids can play and enjoy and stay in the game, that's going to be huge. Right. Can we have more JTT stuff? Can we have more team tennis? Can we make it a team atmosphere so, so kids enjoy being with other other players? High performance is different. High performance in anything you do is is always going to go a certain direction. And that's usually for the 1%. But at the end of the day, we get a, have to have a lot more people playing. And the pyramid obviously will go this way. Um, and the high performance, there's always a section for high performance. But you got to get more people in the game if you even want to have better players. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought up Swing Vision. We've had them on the podcast several times. Big fans of what they're doing. And, you know, I, of course conversation around cheating at at tournaments is an ongoing one and swing vision is a potential solution to that if the financing works out you know, from both sides where the facilities can afford to bring swing in and swing vision can still earn the money they need to earn to keep growing their product so i think it's going to be interesting to watch that develop over the next couple of years um I know Swing Vision has done amazing stuff since the first time we had the podcast to what they're up to now is night and day. And um, I love their vision. Ha ha. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, they're, they're awesome, too. I mean, they're making yeah. it actually for tennis coaches to be able to make uh, ancillary money because, look how you can tag a match through swing vision in less than 20 minutes or 10 minutes even. So now the coach can go back and the coach doesn't have to be with you right at the tournament. You send them the stuff, it uploads it, the coach can look at it. And now all of a sudden the coach, uh, they, they can give feedback right away and say, look, this is the patterns you're playing. This is where you're missing. They can chart the matches for you. And it's a great way for them to actually be able to coach without having, having to be there. Um, JY Abone does an gr- unbelievable job of, of, um, doing, you know, virtual coaching for the kids. So they send him his matches. He tags it. It'd probably be easier if he used more swing vision. I see him using his tagging panel on the side yeah. and he's trying to figure out, you know, now all of a sudden you just cut down matches that are two hours to 20 minutes and they can give instant feedback to the player. So that's another great way. And, and you know, we're, we're talking with other companies and, and helping um, businesses, not only from athlete management systems to um, court management to, you know, how do we actually mix in the S and C along with that. So, and co- companies like swing vision are great as well, because now it's another way to actually help the coaches, you know, make extra money. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think what y'all are up to is really creative, much needed in our industry for sure. And you're providing a solution, not only to facilities that need your assistance in managing better fundraising, putting on events, et cetera, but also from the parents, which of course is my sweet spot, you know, offering 
this access to the three of you who, my goodness, you know, the experience that you all bring to the table is absolutely incredible and invaluable. So I really appreciate the fact that y'all are coming together and offering up your experience, your expertise, and your advice to not only parents and coaches, but also facilities to help us grow the game. And Eric, it's just, it's really exciting to see um, three creative minds like you, Ryan, and Hong come together. I've known Ryan for a long time. He actually recruited my son in to play for him in college. Um, sadly, that didn't work out, but um, but that was my first connection with Ryan. And since moving to Southern California, I've gotten to know him much better. And seeing firsthand what he's doing down in San Diego is just incredible. Kong, I've seen at events because I've watched his son Lerner competing and watched Lerner's progress. And for you, do you get involved with the two of them and kind of bridge this gap? I think is is really incredible and exciting. So thank well, you for doing. Thank you so much, Lisa. And thank you for giving us a voice here and chatting with you and, and being able to, to spread as much knowledge as we can. So really appreciate it. Absolutely. To my audience, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.